0: Listening to The Tales We Tell, a podcast about spooky stories, unsolved mysteries, and local lore. I'm your host, Hannah Parch,
1: and I'm Katie.
0: Welcome back! You've been here literally like
1: two minutes. (laughs) How was your trip? It was great. Good. I got a Good amount of re- uh, relaxing done. A lot of reading. Important. And uh, yeah, so Shelton and his dad came down to the cabin, mm. and they built this little um, addition to our picnic shelter. So we okay. have this. We already have this pavilion, and it's fantastic. But where we cook underneath it takes up a lot of space. So we did right. this little addition to it to make a little outdoor kitchen. It's nice. gonna be so cute.
0: Fun. Yeah. Well, I'll be like everyone on your Facebook. Um, in your Facebook comments. Katie, you look like you got some sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> Just your natural glow. Yep. <laughs> well, we're drinking two different ones today. Because it's a sloppy Sunday. It's a sloppy Sunday. Katie's drinking whatever we drank last time. Mm-hmm. And also, if she needs a refill, there's an apothic red, which is different. <laughs> I'm drinking my new trusty Winking Owl. Negrigio, which is $3 at Aldi. Also, full disclosure, I am three beers in because I just came from a place where I was drinking, so yeah, we're just gonna roll with that. I have a couple announcements. First one is a new patron. Yay! It's Stephanie Luke, my mother-in-law. Thanks, Thanks, Stephanie. (laughs) Yes, we're very happy. Thank you, Stephanie. And I've already sent out her card and... Yeah, she gets all the bonus content. She's a $10 donor. Nice. We love it. So we love you even more than we did before. Also, (laughs) I needed to share in case um, everyone wasn't looking intently at all of our Instagram comments. So I mentioned to Josh, one of our patrons, that the paintings that are... I haven't hung them up yet. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) That I had some nightmares after... (laughs) After we recorded. And he suggested that I have them blessed. And he said he used to work at, like, a thrift Habitat store. for Humanity. Yeah. The ReStore. And the owner would, like, have it blessed every, like, few months or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. And then he told me that someone donated a dog's ashes.
1: I read those.
0: And it made me really sad but also I have found my new I've seen my future and it is the crazy lady that has a whole bunch of like pet ashes that I've collected from different thrift stores just so that they have a whole <laughs> <laughs> I can see that being my life like 50 years down the road and i be like yeah. oh my gosh are these all your pets and I'm be like no I've found these at the Salvation Army I adopted them because <laughs> they shouldn't live in the Salvation Army anyway thanks for that fun story Josh and speaking of, I'm going to go ahead and plug our Instagram, which is Katie. The Tales We Tell podcast. Thank you. Um, on that Instagram, you can find a link tree in our bio, and that has all of the links to any other place. So we have our, our website, Katie, which Sorry. is?
1: <laughs> TheTalesWeTellPodcast.com. Thank you. Uh, our Facebook? The Tales We Tell podcast.
0: And then we also have Patreon, where you can just search The Tales We Tell podcast, I think. And also Redbubble, which is our merch store if you want some sweet swag. And that is all I have, I think. I have another patron shout out at the very end that I didn't know was coming. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's kind of inadvertent, but I feel like you'll appreciate it. My friend Kara, who I told you is a new listener, Mm -hmm. uh, she sent me a Snapchat last week of (laughs) Uh, like a coloring book page, and she's like, I've been coloring this while listening to the uh, Elizabeth Bathory episode. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Hiding from the child. Oh, man. (laughs) And she's like, thank you so much for your awesome (laughs) podcast. And I'm like, yay. We serve
0: a purpose now, too. Yes. My friend just listened to the Albert Fish episode. Oh, gosh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, did you like it? And she was like, yeah, you guys made it out to be really gruesome, but I didn't think it was that bad. (laughs) It's like, Oh, gosh. I actually kind of started questioning my friendship with her. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think in her defense, she said, Well, you didn't talk about any of the, like, we excluded a lot of details. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, today I'm kind of going a little off brand and just doing a regular true crime episode. So, it's all
1: right. We need a palate cleanser every now and then. Ah. Um, this will definitely cleanse your palates
0: of bad things
1: this is the story of rose
0: larner and most of the information that i got for this comes from a three-part article on the lansing state journal website and those were originally published in february of 1997 i also watched a forensic files episode on this (laughs) i'm sure i've seen it (laughs) yes So, Rose Larner, Larner, sorry, was born August 19th, 1975. She grew up in Lansing, Michigan. She was the middle child of three, and her parents divorced when she was four. So, by 1993, which is when our story takes place, she was 18. She had been diagnosed at some point as hyperactive, which I don't know if that is an outdated diagnosis. I don't know if that's some kind of... Is it part of ADHD? I guess. It was kind of unclear. They made it seem like she just had a lot of energy. I mean, that's also, like,
1: manic. Yeah. You know, like the the times of mania where, you know, people who are going through a manic episode, mm-hmm. like, they don't sleep. They are just wired.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's probably what they were describing because they said she was
1: doing something
0: literally until she was asleep. That was the only time she stopped.
1: Yeah. It was, to, uh, you know, they don't stop until their body forces them. Yes. It's opposite of me.
0: <laughs> so she was known to stay up all night and sleep very late into the day, like a regular teenager. Her family jokingly called her a vampire because she was out all night. She loved talking on the phone. She would talk up to 1,500 hours a month. So a normal teenager. A normal teenager. Of the 90s, I feel like, yeah. when talking on the phone was, like, the yeah. way you communicated. And for some reason, they always put this detail in that she showered three times a day. It's a I water. Yeah. I don't know if it's... I don't, I don't think she was a germaphobe or anything. I think... I don't know. You're lucky if I shower three times a week. <laughs> Gross. So her mother's name is also Rose. Her last name is Mackie. And so I'm just going to call her mom for the rest of the episode. Totally fine. So it's not confusing. So her mom said, quote, she could be a headache and a half. If she were kidnapped for ransom, the
1: kidnappers would pay me to take her back. It's a joke that a lot of parents make. Yeah,
0: and I feel like uh, everyone had that age where their parents felt that way. I'm pretty sure mine was 14. I think my mom was like, though, I will pay someone to
1: <laughs> kidnap her. Yeah, my dad was always Keep threatening it. boarding school. Well, that was a real threat for you, right? Because mm-hmm. it's Catholic school, not boarding school. I mean, they uh, they didn't have a boarding school option Oh, my school. Okay. Not anymore. Okay. I don't know why I assumed Catholic schools were no, all he, boarding schools. He'd ship me off to, like, Switzerland or something. No, there was a boarding school in Louisiana. Not far. You weren't lucky enough to go to Switzerland.
0: No, That'd be a wasn't. cool boarding school experience. No, because that would be a reward. Yeah, that's true. So, Rose <laughs> Rose was not just a rebellious, wild teen. According to her family, she was also incredibly kind and generous. She went to church twice a week. There's actually an anecdote later about how, like, she kept her Bible next to her bed, and she had this note in there that was, like, a prayer request for one of her friends.
1: And, I mean, it seems very sweet. It seems a lot like me when I was 18, but minus She's just a nice, genuine, honest girl who yeah. just can't sleep. Yes, night. and also has a, a little bit of a wild side. Yeah. Um, she also loved children.
0: She wanted to become a police officer when she grew up, uh, like her uncle, who was also a police officer. And she had a really good heart, but she could be very hot-tempered. And the example that they give is her best friend, and her, her best friend was named Ginger. And Ginger said they got into, quote, a fight a week. <laughs> but... They would always make up. Like it was like they get into a fight. They'd probably stop talking for like a night, and then then they're fine. Then they're fine. So, which is again, I feel like kind of typical, normal for teenagers. A teenager. When she was eight, she met a boy named Billy Brown, who was a local. His family, I guess, lived in the area, and they very quickly became friends. They became classmates in fifth grade. There's a picture of her um, fifth grade yearbook. And there's a little heart drawn around his uh, his head, and lots of other graffiti on the other um, faces of of classmates. All normal. Yeah, not seeing any red flags here yet. Yes, according to Billy, so they interviewed him on the Forensic Files episode. He said that they like would have crushes on each other, like, on and off, but they never dated. They were just really close friends.
1: Yeah, she liked him, and he wasn't interested, and then right. she was like, meh, whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, he was like, wait. Yeah, it's like you have a crush
0: on someone, and you just miss each other. Like, yep. all, timing didn't work out. When Rose was 15, she threw a party one weekend when her mother was out of town, and one of the girls who showed up <laughs> made her mad, and Rose threatened her with a fork.
1: And... <laughs> I don't know. Like, no one got hurt. So, again, the emotional (laughs) intelligence of a 15-year-old girl is not that great. Also, she's
0: a middle child. Like, middle child syndrome, whatever. No one got hurt, but the incident prompted Rose's mom to seek counseling for her. And not just regular, normal counseling, like we encourage, but a psychiatric hospital specifically
1: Rivendell Psychiatric Hospital. So maybe there is more to her wild streak yeah. that let on. <laughs>
0: And her mom said that she did have to kind of exaggerate
1: some of Rose's behaviors in order to get her accepted. Yeah, because so far what you're telling me is not that yeah. bad. Like, definitely maybe some counseling. Like, if you're resorting to, like, threatening someone with a mm-hmm. weapon, be it a fork or not, a dinglehopper, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yeah, she probably does need to talk to somebody. I don't know if she needs to be an institution or not. Yeah. But then again, we don't know the whole story. This is true.
0: So, um, they made it clear that Rose was not forced to go. Her mom kind of gave her the option and Rose agreed. And she stayed there for three months. Her mom said, quote, "They they liked her and she felt safe there. So I kind of think there was also maybe a lot of chaos in her life and it was just a nice break. There were a couple of sources that insinuated that Rose really liked all of the attention that she got there and I don't know I if can, I I can see that. Yeah, I don't know if I was just reading it like in kind of a snarky tone, but
1: I I don't know. I was well, like well, you well, mentioned the middle child thing too yeah. that it it could be that You know, sure, she might have gotten, you know, plenty of attention at home, Mm -hmm. but, you know, she always had two other siblings to contend with for that attention, and here everything was all about Rose. Yeah. And not necessarily inherently a bad thing. Yeah. um, But, yeah. Well, her mom also
0: worked um, at least two jobs. I think she was working, like, 60 hours a week or 60, like, a lot. And so she probably didn't see her mom a lot. And they weren't like a unstable family, but
1: I kind of get the they had busy lives yes, and she probably appreciated the structure of the institution as yes. well as this is true the attention while she was there, she
0: met a boy named Brody who she either had a crush on or began a relationship with. and at some point she used a pencil eraser to burn the letter B into her thigh. I asked Jarek how one would do that, because I just couldn't picture it, and I don't remember what he told me.
1: I mean, it's kind of like branding. Yeah. getting something hot enough. But what if... I'm imagining if
0: you get a pencil eraser hot enough, it's just going to get set on fire. It probably melts partially. Hmm. I don't know. We'll do a science experiment later. Okay. This is not important to the story. It was just a fun fact in there. When she got out of Rivendale, her behavior actually worsened and her mom thought that she might be trying to get sent back because she liked it so much. So she started, like, shoplifting. She brought alcohol to school. <laughs> you know, the typical stuff that mm-hmm. we all do. When Rose was 16, she was actually raped by a man that she didn't know. Her and Ginger were playing on the basketball courts and this guy just, like, approached them and started talking to them. And him and Rose, I guess maybe he was being kind of flirty, and so Ginger was like, I'm gonna go, because, like, I'm not part of this, which is very much a me move. I'd be like, uh.
1: And again, Rose is probably like, attention,
0: yay. Yeah, and she, they're 16, so, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Anyways, Rose turns up on Ginger's doorstep again later and says, tells her that she was raped, and they do go to the police, and the man is caught and arrested, but he only spent one month in jail, which for the course. seems uh, not like enough. Though Rose did very well academically, and she had a very large social circle, she ended up dropping out of high school in 1991. And after that, she kind of bounced around. So she applied to the Army, but they didn't accept her because of her mental health background. She enrolled in a place called Harry Hill Center for Academics and Technology, but then she quit after a month. And then she enrolled in vocational school and ended up getting her GED in 1993, which is the same year she would have graduated anyway. So she was on track with everyone. She just went like to a different way. she
1: was smart, but bored.
0: Yes. Yes. So the summer of 93, so she is done with high school. I don't know that she has any plans for college, but... It's summertime and, you know, the last summer, summer after your senior year of high mm-hmm. school, it's like your last bit of freedom. So this summer, Rose meets a guy named John Ortiz Kehoe. And they described John as a local rapper, but I have a question mark next to that because mm, I don't feel like he was. I feel like maybe he was just, like, really into rap and maybe, like, aspired to be a rapper, but I don't, I, he wasn't, he didn't have like a record deal or anything. Like, he was not like a, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. John was also Did he a, perform ever? Um, unclear. He's okay. not
1: the best uh, character in the story, so. His name is sounding a little bit familiar. I feel like once you get more into the details of yes. the crime, then it'll. Yeah. I'll start remembering.
0: And he's also... uh, They call him a lot just John Kehoe. They drop the Ortiz. But there is an old guy uh, somewhere named John Kehoe. Because I googled that. So Ortiz Kehoe is his technical official name. John is also a friend of Billy's. I think that's how they meet. And Rose is just enamored with him. She likes everything about him. She thinks he's the coolest thing in the world. And they start dating. And in October... Rose asks her mom if John could move in with them. And I guess John was really good at playing the part of a nice boyfriend because Rose's mom is like,
1: sure, I guess. I don't know if it was a sure, I guess. I bet it was a mom, you have to let him move in with us or I'm going to go move in with him or basically, like, here's your options and the best way to keep her daughter, like, Mm -hmm. safe and close... And not like for her to like run off and yeah. not have a relationship with her anymore was like yes he can stay here. yeah it was I I had a friend like that and she definitely had some mental issues uh-huh. and at one point she had a boyfriend living under you know her Gosh. mom's roof I mean, and it was yeah it was a bad situation but
0: I can definitely see the whole like if you're gonna if you guys are gonna be together anyways I'd rather it be under my roof than uh-huh. somewhere else. So, John was in with them, but very shortly after that, mom finds large amounts of cash and also guns in his room. And so, she's like, um, you cannot stay here anymore. You have to go. And she kicked him out. And after that, John begins to kind of pull away from Rose. And I don't know if it's because he got kicked out and he was mad or what the situation was.
1: Manipulating?
0: Yeah. The implication definitely was that they did not officially break up, but that he was kind of ghosting her, and that he just, like, didn't want anything to do with her. And Rose was not the kind of girl that was going to take that (laughs) lying down. You don't ghost Rose. So she basically started harassing him. Like, she would hang out by his house she one time followed him to a party at a frat house where he was with another girl and she was in her mom's van like the family van and she saw John's truck and so she just rammed the van into his truck in anger and yeah that was the that was the status of their relationship going into December which is when everything really happens volatile yes <clears throat> So December 6th, 1993 is a Monday. Rose gets off work and she comes home around 1130 and makes a phone call and her brother, one of her brothers is home and he remembers hearing her argue with someone, but he doesn't know who it was or what they were arguing about, but whatever. And then around 120, so it's officially technically December 7th now. Rose leaves the house, and she walks a quarter mile to the Quality Dairy convenience store where her mom is working the night shift. She goes in, and she tells her mom that she's going to go out with friends. For some reason, the Forensic Files said that she was going to go out with her new boyfriend, but I don't think that that was correct. There's a lot of questionable facts, quote-unquote facts, in the Forensic Files episodes,
1: (laughs) mind you, they don't need the details of the story as long as they get the science right. This is true. <laughs> I'm glad I read these other articles, because I started with
0: forensic files, and I was like, I don't know, there's enough in this to make a whole episode. Uh-huh. And then I found the, the stories, and I was like, oh, there's a lot in here. Originally, her mom had not wanted her to take the family van. Well, yeah, not because she rammed it into another <laughs> she's car. not the most responsible driver. She said it's because it was low on oil. But then her mom, after talking to Rose, she said that she had a, quote, mother's feeling about that night and about Rose. And she decided that she didn't want Rose walking. And so she tried to get her to take the van. She was like, go get oil and bring it here. Or bring the van here. There's oil at this convenience store. I'll put some oil in it. It'll be fine. Just take the van. And Rose was like, no, I, I'm just going to walk. Because, again, that's who Rose was. Mm-hmm. So mom finishes her shift around 7 a.m. And she goes home to check on her kids before going to her day job, which was a painter. Rose wasn't home yet. And so mom is a little worried.
1: Not nothing terrible. She yeah. knew she was going out. so yeah. I mean, mother's concern, mm-hmm. but also doesn't sound like it would be far from, you know. Yeah, probably the not the for- first time that's ever yeah. happened.
0: So, on her way to her other job, she stops at the Quality Dairy and asks her co-worker to just keep an eye out for Rose. If you see her, let me know, because she hasn't come home. And her mom finished her painting shift around 1 a.m., which I don't know what the (sighs) f*** kind of job that is. She gets off her one job at 7. I'm imagining she goes into this painting job at, like, 9, maybe? Mm. She has time to go home. I don't know, but then she didn't get off until 1 a.m. I'm like, the (sighs) f*** kind of painting are you doing? Anyways, again, not the point. So now it is officially Wednesday, which this also makes sense into, like, the beginning of this, how it got to be,
1: how it wasn't like Rose disappeared and then was immediately reported missing. So Right, because, I mean, there's just so many opportunities to, like, miss seeing each other yeah
0: and it's like mom's not even home most of the time Uh so mom comes home wednesday december 8th at 1 a.m and rose is still not home and there's not any sign that she had been home while mom was gone so there wasn't any dirty dishes like none of her stuff had been moved and so then mom is like now i'm worried because she hasn't been home so she calls her ex-husband and both of them start calling rose's friends and her work Uh work tells them rose did not show up tuesday or wednesday well, I guess Wednesday hasn't started yet. Yeah, like, it like Wednesday just started at like
1: an hour ago. <laughs> Sorry,
0: she didn't show up Tuesday. <laughs> and her friends tell them that Billy, her friend Billy, is also missing and that maybe she is with him. So Rose calls Billy's mom uh-huh. and her mom, his mom says, I will, I'll call him and I'll let you know. Um, you know, I'll figure out where he is and I'll call and let you know. So Thursday comes, December 9th, and Rose's parents officially report her missing to the police and an investigation is opened. Billy's mom calls back and says she spoke to Billy and Rose was not with him. So now Rose is officially considered missing. And thankfully Billy is not. Yes, thankfully Billy is not. (laughs) So the investigation,
1: Billy Boy.
0: (laughs) there's a lot of bad people in this. The investigation into Rose Lerner's disappearance is headed by Detective John Cotty. So the first thing he looks at is her phone records and she has not called anyone since Tuesday. And he's like, well, that's strange because before this she was making calls all the time. Several phone calls. So if she hasn't talked to anyone, that's a big red flag. Also, by Friday the 10th, Rose had not picked up her paycheck, and this was something that she would get out of bed early for. Like, (laughs) she'd be the first one there to pick up her check and cash it. And so he's like, okay, hasn't picked up the check, hasn't called anyone. Not great signs. On December 20th, they have official searches that begin. So 11 days after he's officially reported missing? Yeah, I don't know. And he points out that there's not... They don't have a crime scene, so, like, they don't... Mm. Have they even narrowed down where she was last seen? No, I think the last account of her is when she stopped to see her mom.
1: And they don't have anyone else that said they saw her after that. So she was supposedly walking out somewhere to meet people, but she Mm -hmm. never showed up?
0: I don't know if she told her mom who she was going to see specifically. Mm -hmm. Again, Forensic Files said she was going to see her boyfriend, and her boyfriend said she never showed up. But the articles didn't say anything about that. They kind of implied that when they talked to Billy's mom, or when they talked to friends, they were like, well, she probably went to hang out with Billy, call him, because he Mm -hmm. probably knows. And then it was like, no, she's not with me. So, um, there's not a crime scene. There's not any physical evidence. So, they're kind of... Don't really know where to start. Don't really know where to start. So... They start getting tips coming in, and a lot of the tips have two names in common. Those names are John Kehoe and Billy Brown. I'll pause for a second so you can. Called (laughs) it. This episode of The Tales We Tell is sponsored by Van Ness Agency. They make marketing easy for busy business owners. Custom marketing campaigns designed with your budget in mind. Visit their website to book a discovery call at www.vannessagency.net. That's V-A-N-N-E-S-S agency.net. So investigators interview Billy, who denies knowing anything about any of this, and And he and John both have alibis for the night of December 6th slash 7th. According to Forensic Files, they were both on dates that night. But according to the Lansing State Journal, they were both at John's brother's house in Big Rapids. And his name is Tim. So police, after they interview Billy, they're like, so we know you're lying. (laughs) They're like, we know he knows something, but... They don't have any evidence.
1: Like They can't prove it. They can't even fake.
0: Yeah, they you know, can't. So they they're like, something.
1: we think he's lying. We think he knows something, but we don't know how to prove it. Well, so, do they even have an idea of what he might know? I mean, other than obviously what happened to her. But... Yeah, I don't think they have any. They're
0: just like, we know that you don't know nothing. <laughs> we know that you know something. So, meanwhile, the searches continue for Rose, and it is now April of 1994, and so far they have nothing. They have no physical evidence, no clues, and they're, like, at this point, they are basically searching for a body, Mm -hmm. and um, they're, like, there's a whole thing about how they got this tip that she was in this lake, and so they, like, did this, you know, whole search of the lake. They had this very good dog out there who was... Somehow able to sniff out corpses in lakes? I don't know. Um, and he didn't actually do a great job because
1: <laughs> they didn't find her, but um, they're they're just... Well, maybe he did do a great job and was like, no, there's no corpses in this lake. <laughs> He's like, that's what that bark meant.
0: <laughs> woo, 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 no corpses.
1: <laughs> Nothing here. See me, how I'm still standing? means there's no corpses. Nothing here. If I lay down, that means there's a body under me. <laughs> I'm not laying down, am I? am so, bark. Uh, it just means... No, oh, I saw a bird.
0: And, you know, there we go. Okay. May. So that's April of 94. So the following year, May of 95, Detective Caudi retires, which he said was the hardest thing he ever had to do. But, I mean, whatever.
1: Well, I'm sure no you know, detective wants to retire leaving a case unsolved, yeah, especially that's one true. like this.
0: This is true. And two new detectives took over the case, and their names were Lucius Hayward and John Herzman. And they're not important to this, so I don't know why I put their names in there. They began a new search in August of 95, and they actually ended up digging up the basement of a fraternity house. And I I think the implication is this is the house where John went to the party and Rose ran into his truck. Is John
1: in university in a fraternity, or Billy? I don't think so. I think... So their only real connection to this fraternity house is maybe knowing a couple of the people who live there yeah. and going to their parties. Yeah. But, like, I mean, and I know we're super tight, <laughs> but no offense. If I ever killed somebody, uh-huh. I'm not going to bring their body to your house yeah. and bury them here. <laughs> or maybe I will and throw them off my trail. But I feel like
0: maybe what happened is like, Okay, so let's imagine that you have killed Shelton, and...
1: Something I imagine often. Just kidding.
0: And, or, sorry, Shelton has disappeared, and everyone's like, we don't know where he is. And police are like, we talked to Katie, we know she knows something, but we don't know what. And then they're talking to all your friends, Mm -hmm. and maybe Jarek is like, well, you know, they were fighting when we were at Connor's house, you know, a couple months ago. They got into this big fight. And then... And then maybe someone else is like, yeah, they were fighting. She talked about killing him. And I, Connor, he's done a lot of renovations on his house. And he's got a lot of power tools in the shed. And she got was a in a the shed floor. for a long time. Got a new floor in that, that kitchen. The floor is really weird. And,
1: and so, their knife block is missing a <laughs>
0: knife. Huh. And I feel like it maybe ended up with, like, someone knew that there was an altercation. And through the rumor mill, it trickled. And someone was like, I have a tip for the police. She's buried under the fraternity house.
1: Yeah, it sounds like imagination's running wild there. And, like, just grasping at straws. Yeah. Uh, And maybe just doing something to show that they're still making any kind of movement on the case. Yeah.
0: Well, because it's like, if you're just kind of at a standstill, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, there's not a
1: reason not to dig up this basement, I guess. I mean, when you don't know where to move forward, you go backwards and review everything, and there was a major altercation between the two people. Yeah. But then again, like, the only story that you told me was that she saw him with another girl at the frat house and just Mm -hmm. rammed his truck with her mom's van, and then... I mean, maybe she went in and screamed at him and then went outside. Yeah. But there was no more to that story to show that, you know, like, they went off and talked somewhere or anything like that. Well,
0: and also she was seen after that. It's not like that was the last place she was seen. Mm, Right. So, I don't know. I think they're just... Whatever. So, after nothing turns up in the basement, an anonymous tipster calls the Michigan State Police. This article did not tell me what the tip was. (laughs) But according to Detective Donald Brooks, who's a different detective, he took an interest in the case after that tip came in, and he started a task force, and by the end of 1995, Donald Brooks was the lead investigator of everything. And so he is like... Of this case. Of right? the case, yeah. yeah. Sorry.
1: Like of everything.
0: It's a lot to be He's lead of just because he took one tip seriously. So... He does, like, what you were talking about. He's like, I'm going to start at the beginning. We're just going to start over. We're going to go back to December 7th, 1993, and we're just going to look at what's going on. So, he knows someone's trying to cover up Rose's death, obviously, because they can't find her. Also, he knows Rose is probably dead. Yeah. He knows that John and Billy are somehow involved, but he doesn't know how. And he interviewed a man who said that he picked up John and Billy from a bus station unclear if this was a bus driver or just some (laughs) rant.
1: They literally said a man who. Glad your brain went to that because mine did. Picks them up from
0: a bus station and I was like, the bus driver? Or (laughs) someone drove by and was like, you guys waiting on a bus? You want a cheaper? uh, I'll take you there. And and I'm again assuming around the time of Rose's disappearance and this person told them, told the police details that were, quote, Significant and very consistent with what
1: we have now learned. Again. So it sounds like through this whole case, the police have really been playing it really close to the vest, like mm-hmm. not releasing any information. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, I, obviously they do that so that when tips come in. Yeah. And there's a tip about information that they already know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, if this person knows this, like, we haven't released that to the public yet, so they must have actual intimate knowledge of the crime Mm -hmm. so we can take this one seriously versus, you know, a psychic calling in and saying she's at the bottom of the lake.
0: Yes. And I'm going to guess, based on what I know about the end of this case, that what this man told... Uh, Detective Brooks is something along the lines of John and Billy were at this bus station in Grand Rapids and they were, I don't know, acting shady and needed a ride home and they talking about... They a with them. Yeah, talking about an alibi or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright, so April of 1996. So this is two and a half years after Rose has disappeared. They don't have any idea what has happened to her. Billy calls the police and said that he is finally ready to talk. So buckle up. This is what Billy says happened. On the night of December 6th slash 7th of 1993, Billy runs into Rose after she left the quality dairy and is walking along. They run into each other. And Rose asks Billy to call John to hang out because she's like, if I call him, he's not going to want to hang out. So you call him. I think actually she said, will you page him? (laughs) Which is very 1993. (laughs) It's so early 90s, it hurts. (laughs) So according to Forensic Files, Billy does this and John tells him that he will only agree to hang out with Rose if she agrees to have sex
1: with both of them. And it took w- Billy two and a half years to come up with this bullshit <laughs> story. Well, and I'm like, why would John want
0: that? Like, Exactly. It's not... Okay. I don't know. Men are weird. So, allegedly, Rose agrees to That's this. the devil's threesome. <laughs> what? You've never heard Oh, that? my gosh. Wait. From the... Is that from the Kavanaugh thing? Isn't that where everyone heard that term? Where he was like, it's a drinking game, but actually it's like a... Threesome with people. I I don't not. That's
1: certainly not where it originated. Okay, I mean, not where it originated, but like where that might be where one, I heard it. That might be one instance of it. Yeah, no, it's a three-way with two dudes. Oh, it's called a devil's three-way.
0: Devil's threesome. Oh, devil's threesome. Okay, well, allegedly Brett Kavanaugh did that too. Sorry, but it was a drinking game when he did it, so it's fine. Um, because he likes beer. Yeah, he likes beer a lot. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So allegedly Rose agrees to this. And so John comes and picks both of them up around 3am. And I think they've gone to Billy's house at this point. Anyways, it's 3am. John picks them up. According to the Lansing State Journal articles, they stopped on a dirt road so that John and Rose could have sex in the cab of the truck. And this is a very strange detail that they included. Rose laid her head on Billy's lap while this was happening, which... Makes me think that someone didn't understand what a threesome was because Billy does not get out of the car and let them have sex. She literally, like, is like, you stay right here. I'm just going to put my head on your lap and lay the other way and me and John are going to have sex.
1: Okay. Is she and John, like, outside of the truck and she's just, like, leaning forward into the cab and just, like, using his lap as, like, a pillow while John does his thing? <laughs> that,
0: that would probably make more sense logistically with, in terms of how much space is in the cab because having two people in the back of a cab of a truck is already tight. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I just pictured it. I don't know. I'm not going to picture it anymore.
1: Yeah. So anyway, but again, two and a half years to come up with that bullshit story. <gasps> oh, he's, I don't think so. I'm, I know somewhere. he's not done. <laughs> he's not done. Let me just have a sip of this here. Yep.
0: So they then stop at a store. I'm gonna. I think it's called a either a major or a May here. I had to look it up. It's like a Walmart, mm-hmm. but it's in the Midwest. It's spelled M-E-I-J-E-R.
1: I knew once upon a time what it was. If it's like
0: they pronounce things in the South, it's going to be called Major. <laughs> if it's the way that we pronounce, um... Oh, man, how do they say... You know, there's a Paris... I want to say it's like a Meyer or something. Meyer. Whatever. In the South, we have a... Versailles, like Kentucky or something, but we definitely pronounce it Versailles. So, so it is. I was right. It's Meyer. Okay, great. Oh. It looked kind of cool. I looked on their website. You can buy liquor there. Um, Meyer. Oh, thank you. Meyer. Okay. Meyer. <laughs> Meyer. 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 This is the content everyone wants. <laughs> Okay, so they stop at a Meyer store, which is
1: about 40 miles south of Lans- Lansing. Lansing. So at this point, she's only had sex with John, right? Yes, correct. And so they've been driving, they stop for a quickie, uh-huh. and then they decide to drive again to the Meyer. Uh-huh. Meyer, Meyer. <laughs> Yeah, so they stop
0: and Billy and Rose stay in the car, and John is like, "I'm just going to go in and grab some stuff." Well, this is Billy's perfect opportunity this to have sex with her now. Although he didn't say that he did, so.
1: But that was the deal. <laughs> so John's not looking out for his boy anymore, I know, right? It doesn't count. John said, "I will only hang out with y'all if we both." have sex with all her. of us have to have sex and I had sex with her and you still have to do it otherwise you're breaking the deal
0: I hope that Rose at some point suggested that Billy and John have sex with each other too
1: Just cuz pro- who knows maybe they were just waiting for someone <laughs> to make the suggestion they were like well They're very closeted <laughs> They're like wait it's not a true
0: threesome unless all of us have sex with each other <laughs> Okay anyways um, so John comes back with a bag of stuff and he's like, Oh, I got this is a quote, things for the night's festivities. And so Billy's like, uh okay, like Billy brought cocaine and marijuana for the night. <laughs> so
1: he He's like, I already have party favors. Yeah, so I guess I don't know. What did he's, you get? Balloon animals and confetti poppers? <laughs> like psst. So I don't know if he maybe thought that he bought like
0: booze and condoms and whatever. Um, do you know what John actually bought? Go ahead and take a sip of that wine. A gun? No. I have no you idea. You wish it was a gun that he bought. John bought a fillet knife, a hatchet, two bottles of lighter fluid, and some trash bags.
1: Oh, it's like that game of going to pick out three things at Walmart to freak out the checkout person. Yep. <clears throat> like, uh, there's one with, like, duct tape, rope, and a trash bag. <laughs> uh, Bleach. One with So they have they've stopped with the
0: May May sorry. I forgot how to say it already. Meyer. Meyer, sorry. It's like M E Y E R. Like a lemon. I don't know why it's important to this. It's not. Like a lemon. Meyer lemons. Never heard of that. It's a type of lemon. It's like the lemon. Is it like Chiquita bananas? No, because Chiquita is a brand. Meyer is a name. Is it it's a kind of lemon? So it's like yeah.
1: Fiji apples. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's Gala apples versus Granny Smith. Right. Okay. Obviously galas are the best apples to eat. Okay.
0: So they drive to John's grandparents' house. I thought it was Fuji apples. Pretty sure it's Fiji. Maybe it's which one's the water? Fiji
1: is water. Oh, so and it's also probably the Fiji. country. So it's probably Fuji. <laughs> yeah, because I don't they come from like Mount Fuji. Mount Fiji? Fuji. I'm confused. Fuji apple. Okay. <laughs> apple cultivated, there's an apple cultivar, whatever, developed by growers at Tohoku Research Station in Fujisaki, Amori, Japan.
0: Oh. Well, they're good. They're the sweetest, which I appreciate.
1: Okay. So, yeah, they've got their fillet knife and their hatchet, and what other things? Um, Trash bags, Trash bags and lighter fluid. Got it.
0: So, they drive to John's grandparents' house, which is in Albion, Michigan, which is south of Lansing, and his grandparents were out of town, so he's just you know, being the great-grandson he is and using their house.
1: Seems like maybe they waited to hang out until his grandparents were out of town so they could use the house, and this wasn't just a spontaneous, like, okay, I guess I'll come hang out with her if we can all have sex.
0: I have no idea when John came up with this plan that he
1: has, but... Oh, because it's John's plan. Billy's just, you know, a pawn, Uh, right? (laughs) Sorry, allegedly. Because because this is Billy's story. This is
0: Billy's story, yes, yes. And as you can guess, John has a different story, but we'll get to that.
1: Oh, I can't wait.
0: I like when they pin people against each other. Yeah. So, they get to the house, and John and Rose leave Billy and have sex. And then they invite Billy back so that they can all take a shower together. And according to Billy... (laughs) This is more homoerotic than the volleyball game from Top Gun. Well, listen... In the Forensic Files episode, they have this shower scene where, like, all three of them are in the shower. I'm pretty sure I remember this episode. (laughs) It's very odd. So, which I guess, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe dudes think that showering together isn't Because of locker rooms? Because of locker rooms. And then, like, if a girl is there, like, if you just don't look down far enough, like, you can just look at boobs and then...
1: I have no idea. Like, again, like, no judges here. You know, let your freak flag fly. Yeah, this is true. But also, I would be weirded out, like, showering with
0: another girl, like, with a girlfriend of mine. Which is strange, because I'm not weirded out by, like, getting dressed. You know, like, you go to someone's house and you, yeah, like, walk you around in your underwear and you get dressed.
1: But, like, I wouldn't be like, oh, let's
0: t- let's take a shower real quick.
1: I feel like be I a wouldn't little... be no. It, it would ha- there would have to be like a purpose. So like my friend and I in Tennessee, we she had a heated pool, mm-hmm. and so in December in Tennessee it mm-hmm. would be really cold, but the pool was always nice and warm. Right. And we wanted to be like fun and daring and wild, <laughs> and so we'd go skinny dipping in the pool in right. December because also when you get out of the pool if you're wearing anything, it stays. It's, it's very wet cold, and, it's and then cold. you have to take it off. And, yes, yeah. you have to like. Peel the icicles from your skin, and now that I'm And so we bit... would just run upstairs, and then just jump in the downstairs shower just to get warm. Oh, that makes sense. And then we'd, you know, yeah. put on towels, throw on clothes or whatever, and go sit up on the by the fire upstairs. I also, but like that, there was like a reason for us. Yeah, that's jumping true. Jumping into the shower together, not just like sitting around, <sighs> like all right, you know what would make this night more interesting? Let's go take a shower. I will say that. <laughs>
0: two things. Number one, if if you're an open-minded person who is not homophobic, then none of these things really matter. Because, yes, I would take a shower with another girl or, like, go skinny dipping or something. Because I know that seeing another girl naked doesn't mean anything about my sexuality. Yeah. But, so, <laughs> but also I feel like boys are, I don't know, I, I feel like men have, like, a weird bro code, like, showering is cool, and if there's like it's okay if you're naked as long as there's like another naked lady, like the whole no homo thing. I don't know.
1: Anyways, the point is, know. but all, all, you know, just like all women are different, all guys are different too. Is true. You know, hashtag not all men. <laughs> <laughs> she says, it's just irony, oozing everyone out of
0: her. should just just take showers with people of the opposite, or sorry, of the same sex, just to eradicate homophobia
1: when when the situation arises, like. If there's not enough hot water for two showers. Although. Or if you go out mudding and it's like, oh, we're covered in acid mud. We need to wash this off of us right acid now. acid mud? I don't know. It's just like I made up. Acid rain is a thing. Why can't acid <laughs> mud be a thing? I thought you were about anyway. to drop some hard science facts. <laughs> you made up acid mud. Well, there is boiling mud that will scald you to death. Mm. So, Mm. But you can't yeah, really thanks. shower to get that off, so. Mm-hmm. Um anyway. We went way off the rails. <laughs> yes. I don't know where we're at. Just because I was saying, like, it's it's weird to me, not because two dudes and a trick are taking a shower together, like uh-huh. again, no judges, let your freak flag fly. fly. Yeah, do, do what you need to do. But it just seems weird to me that it's like the way that the story is being told or presented mm-hmm. is that it it just seems all very random yes like i feel like I, I again i don't know these people like maybe they did have like some love triangle mm-hmm. weird relationship thing they were a thruple i don't know <laughs> and more power to them whatever but it just seems it also just seems weird to me that people are like you know what Let's just go take a shower together.
0: Well, it's framed in this context as a very, like, sexual thing mm-hmm. that's like, and, yeah. let's all take a shower together. I don't know. Anyways. It, this is not the weirdest part of the shower. Ugh. The weirdest part is that, according to Billy, John tried to hand him the fillet knife while
1: they were in the shower, and I'm assuming while Rose's back was turned. Wow, we got way too hung up for way too <laughs> right? long on other things that now are very not <laughs> yes. important. I was really worried about... Well, why the hell are they just <laughs> randomly getting into the shower together? <laughs> Should have been worried. Why are they randomly getting into the shower together? When and also, why is there a fillet knife just outside the shower? John or in the, the shower?
0: When did John bring the knife in? And this is a quote from Billy. He said, there were funny looks exchanged, and then the knife was put back. So I'm imagining that John was like, here, take this knife. And Billy was like, made a face that was like, Ooh what is this for? And then John was like,
1: oh, you don't know. Okay. I'll just put it back for later. (laughs) So I don't know. And I'm sorry. I also wonder if like the three of them too have like never made jokes about things like that. How do I, how do I verbalize this? But about having a knife in the shower? No, but like, I don't know. I feel like they're just kind of hanging out. Yeah, they drinking a lot. I mean, he brought a bag of Coke or something with him, right? Yeah, he brought Coke and marijuana. So, yeah, they're probably just hanging out, you know, getting high, doing drugs, drinking mm-hmm. a lot of alcohol, and their minds are wandering, and they probably start just talking and making jokes about, like, well, what if, what if I murdered you, man? <laughs> like, well, what if, what if you were in the shower and you were just, you know, in the shower with another dude like you're supposed to be? Another chick, because otherwise it would be weird. Yeah. And and some guy just came in and and stabbed you with a knife, but like not a regular knife, a fillet knife. Fillet knife. Oh yeah, no, that would be weird. But uh, I think it would be too weird. Like good Kelly Lord. barging into the podcast Kelly, room. Kelly, how are you doing that? Welcome to the studio, girl. How are you doing that? This is not for innocent ears. Here. How weird would it be if it was a hatchet instead of a fillet knife? That makes more sense. <laughs> Look at her little smile. I know. She can stay really in a record sorry. with us. She'll be a good girl. Right. Can we, huh? yeah.
0: Take your collar off, though. Yep. Take your jewelry off. You have to be naked for this. It's like
1: the shower. Mm-hmm. But it's not weird because it's, it's three not girls. Weird. Okay, Kelly, you are being weird. Fillet knife goes back. Yes, fillet knife goes back. After the shower that occurred without incident. That occurred without incident. Without bloody incident. Yes. I thought I would be fine with like my one and a you know, like mini glass. Uh huh. No, I need another one, (laughs) Kelly. I got four,
0: Kelly. Kelly, you don't need to lick.
1: Okay, the shower occurred without
0: incident. Okay, shower occurred without incident, and so Billy and Rose are now standing at the sink. Rose is like brushing her hair. And John comes in, and he... Let me find it in my notes, because I'm just saying it from memory right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, if this was supposed to be a sexual thing, I feel like, you know, they would have gone straight from the shower to moving things to the bedroom kind of a thing, instead of giving her time to brush her hair in the mirror.
0: Yeah. Rose is standing at at the mirror, and John comes up behind her... And he has, I'm assuming, like, a hairdryer or something, and he puts the cord around her neck. And she thinks that he's being, like, flirtatious.
1: Kind of like you said, like, they're all friends, She, you know, like, whatever. Haha, ha, you're just pretending to yeah. string on me. Or yeah. maybe this is, like, a role play thing that they've done, or maybe they are into light, you know, BDSM. And there's, yeah. you know, choking or torture involved. Yeah, so. Or fake torture.
0: She thinks that he's, you know, just playing around. But then he starts to tighten the cord, and despite her struggling, he strangles her to death.
1: Kelly. And Billy just stands there like, but I had the fillet knife. <laughs> we were in the the shower. The blood yeah. would have all went down the drain. No mess. No
0: muss, no fuss. Yeah. So John then takes her body and puts it in the shower and uses the fillet knife to cut her throat. And then
1: he takes a break so him and Billy can do some coke. In the bathroom. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to have your energy up for, I mean, dismembering a body is really tough, tough work, so. And
0: Billy says that he told John that he could tell that this wasn't his first time doing this. And John says, quote, what do you think? And then Billy throws up. And, (laughs) which,
1: natural response. Well, clearly it was Billy's first time. I mean, obviously Billy's first time so John come on you big wuss <laughs> haven't you ever dismembered you know murdered and dismembered a woman before yeah who you've been friends with for your, pretty much your entire life
0: yeah good grief I know this is the worst part is that Billy and Rose were like best friends since they were like eight I'm like dude you couldn't like do anything okay so this this part's a little bit rough trigger warning trigger warning yeah just I don't know skip ahead 30 seconds So, John rinses Rose's body off in the shower before getting a block of wood and the hatchet. And this is a quote from Billy. He started to take off her arms, feet, and hands. Her head, too. He came back with a foot sticking on the knife. He held the head up like Clash of the Titans before he took it to the basement. So, so he came out of the bathroom, I'm assuming, with a foot sticking on the knife and was like, ha, 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 look at this. And then I'm assuming the Clash of the Titans thing is, like, holding the head up as, like, a trophy or whatever. So By her hair. Yeah, by her hair. So John's doing that. So John takes the arms, legs, and head of Rose Lerner to the basement, and they put them in the fireplace that's down there and burn them until they were mostly ash... Billy said,
1: "Quote, you could that sp- had to be one hell of a fire, though." Yes, and I don't is know, it if a fireplace or a furnace. It said
0: fireplace, but I would assume a furnace if, if it's, it's in, in the, the
1: basement. basement. And this is Michigan. Yeah, maybe like, like a, a wood burning stove or something. Yeah, like a yeah, so like a, a furnace. I could see potentially getting up to the required temperature, but like we've talked about this before that. You know, furnaces need to be really hot to completely, you know, burn and disintegrate human bones. Yeah. Well, Billy said, quote, you could still see the shape of the skull.
0: So, not that good. Yeah. In the middle of all this, the doorbell rings. And it is John's friend Sammy and his girlfriend who have come over just to visit and so they come inside, and they hang out for, like, an hour or so, and there's a torso of R- Rose... Of a woman in the ...in the, the shower. bathroom. So, like, I guess, thank God, no one asks, like, hey, can you use your bathroom real quick?
1: Yeah, not the one down the hall, because, uh, toilet's clogged. Yeah. But... Is the one of my grandparents? And
0: like, in. also, if this is all true, and Billy's like literally just seen his friend murder his best friend and like hey, cut her into a, a cucumber. Of- I mean,
1: coke is a hell of a drug, but it's not that much of a drug. Yeah,
0: like, how are you just like chilling out, being like, "Hey,
1: Sammy and girlfriend," like, like clearly I'm hanging out with a psychopath, mm, you know, serial murderer. Because this is obviously not the first time, and he is so beyond comfortable with murdering and dismembering this person that he's playing with her body parts. Yeah. I would be losing my... Yeah. Just remember,
0: this is all, like, Billy's story, so... Mm -hmm. I can't wait to hear John's story. (laughs) So, after they leave, Billy and John clean up the house very thoroughly, and they put Rose's torso in a trash bag, and I don't know, I guess maybe they took the rest, like... The remains that were in the furnace with them. But they put her torso in a trash bag and they left. They drove 100 miles north to Island Lake, which I think is a campground, where Billy's family had a cabin. They dug a fire pit, put Rose's body in it, and covered it with lighter fluid, and then they
1: set it on fire. They burned her body for 10 hours... According to Billy... 10 hours or 10 Coke hours? Because 10 Coke (laughs) hours are very different than 10 regular hours. Are Coke hours longer than regular hours? I think they're faster. So, shorter. Yeah. Okay. So, like, in reality, like, 2 hours have passed, but they feel like it's been a whole... They think it's been 10 hours. Oh. Because, Mm, you know, they'll do a bump and they're like... How long does Coke last, (gasps) though? Because... I feel like it had to have taken them a long time to clean the house. So, Chuck Klosterman is an author, and he does a lot of writing about, you know, rock and roll and music and everything, mm-hmm. and he described doing coke, uh, and this is very much years past paraphrasing, uh, as 10 to 15 minutes of feeling amazing and spending the next hour searching for the next high, for the next bump. Oh. So... You know, they, they'd do a bump of coke, and they'd be like, mm-hmm. all right, let's, let's let's go clean the house. And then they'd, like, you know, go into a cleaning frenzy, probably, for a little while. Best time to have coke is when you're trying to clean. And, I mean, they probably would. Right? <laughs> no one would be high on coke for cleaning or amphetamines, whatever. And they'd probably just go, like, scrubbing furiously and be like, all right, yeah, clean all this, clean all this. And then they'd start coming down and be like, all right, I need, I need another bump. Right. Which presumably they they had. And so, like, it probably was several hours. And it could have been ten hours. Like, they could have looked at a clock before they started and looked at the clock after and just done math. But who knows if they can do math or... mm I know.
0: Billy's giving a lot of details here.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, according to
0: Billy, at some point during the burning of the body, John takes a piece of the flesh from the fire pit puts it on some bread with mustard and eats it, saying it was, quote, just for the experience, just to know. Because John's not, like... This
1: seems like a drug-fueled fever dream of Billy's. It does! And also, but, like, also, I don't know. I'm like, if John couldn't it's like be more fucked like, John is all up. of a sudden a serious psychopath. Yeah! It's like, how did no one notice this before? Like and I just thought he was, like, a small-time drug dealer, you know, with his and cash rapper. and guns. Don't forget about the rapper. That's just a front for his actual <laughs> business of dealing with drugs. Because, I mean, with the cocaine, the, the cash, and the guns that Rose's mom found. Yeah. So... After the
0: body is burned, they put all the ashes into a trash bag, and then they drove along the highway and emptied the bag out the window as they went so that her remains were basically scattered all along the Michigan highway.
1: And somehow they got the fire hot enough, long enough, to burn all of the bones. Yeah, it's... They have... Crematoriums exist because if you could do that in your own fireplace...
0: That is high on my list of things I would pay someone to do, regardless of whether I could do it myself, though. Well, I mean... And mind you, I paid someone to mow my grass today, which is something I'm very capable of doing myself.
1: It's very hot out today.
0: It is very hot. and we're dangerously a... hot. And the guy we paid had a ride. This
1: was just from a few hours in the sun yesterday, by the way. And I did put on some sunscreen. Not enough on my face, but I did put on...
0: Obviously, Katie, not enough on your face.
1: Okay, so after they
0: um, distribute her ashes, they go to John's brother's house. So remember Tim, the guy who was mm-hmm. their alibi. And this is in Big Rapids, which is not Grand Rapids. I checked. <laughs> I was like, do you mean Grand Rapids? No, there's a place called Big Rapids. So Tim says, I don't want to know what you have done. And I don't want to know why. they're... Have they also
1: changed their clothes at some point, or yes. have are they never gotten dressed from their shower? Oh, oh, I forgot. Because to... <laughs> I mean, dismembering a bo- like strangling a body, sure. Yeah, not very bloody. Dismembering, very messy. Yes, and I remember it said that John did
0: the dismembering wearing just boxers. Well, for modest modesty's <laughs> sake, <laughs> yeah, can't have everything showing. And I assumed that they had cleaned up some when Sammy and girlfriend come over. Otherwise, Sammy and girlfriend would be like, why y'all got all that blood on you? (laughs) Why are you naked and covered in blood? Tim basically says, like, I don't want to know what you've done. I don't want to know why there is a hatchet and shovels in the back of this car. I'm going to get rid of these for you. But don't tell me what's going on. Like he's basically
1: He got rid of the tools.
0: Yeah, but he but Tim was actually kind of smart and he was like, I don't wanna know because I'm not gonna be held like
1: Yeah, because according to Billy's story, Billy was just the innocent bystander. He yes. watched John strangle her, he watched John dismember her, and yes. maybe sure he put some body parts onto a fire. Mm-hmm. But other than that, John is just the bystander. Yeah. But he is still, by telling the story, he is 100% an accessory to this murder. So, like, he is 100% going to jail for a very, very long time, even if he is just the innocent bystander. Yeah,
0: he's definitely going to jail for some time. (sighs) Yay, (laughs) Michigan justice. (laughs) So after Tim gets rid of the tools, the three of them agree on alibis. They all agree that they're going to say they were at Tim's place. And after a couple days, Tim takes him to a Greyhound bus station, going back to Lansing. Am I saying it right, Lansing? Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is where I'm assuming the bus driver question mark or random person who picked them up.
1: This is when he talked to Detective. What Brooks. random driver is at a bus station <laughs> anyway? Know. Like, sure, maybe you're dropping off, just seems... you know, your Aunt Susie to catch it a bus seems back strange to Jersey. That they
0: didn't say the bus driver called. But I, I can't
1: imagine someone's going to drop off someone at the bus station that they didn't want to drive back home and yeah. be like, hey, do you need to ride somewhere local? Because was... I'm not going to Jersey, but I'll go local. Katie, it was actually the guy who invented Uber, so mm. this is actually another story I always entirely. knew
0: I always knew Uber had dark origins. <laughs> <laughs> so Billy tells investigators after all this, he's like, well, the reason I haven't said anything until now is because I was scared John would kill me or hurt me or whatever. Eat me. Or eat me, yeah. So which... If this is true, fair. John does not seem like the kind of person you want to (gasps) fuck with right now, but whatever. So police are like, okay, this is great. We have this story. We have some answers, but hi, uh, we need some physical evidence to back this up because unfortunately we can't just go to court with this guy, Billy's story. They go to what they now know is the crime scene, which is John's grandparents' house. And they spray the whole bathroom with luminol. And two
1: and a half years after the fact.
0: Two and a half years after the fact. And they get nothing. I'm shocked. <laughs> In the hallway, Luminol shows what looks like a bloody bucket print, like on the carpet.
1: I gotta and got the
0: feet and arms somewhere, right? But there's not enough blood to get a DNA sample off of that. So I mean, there's like,
1: also other things that react with Luminol other than blood. This is true. On the wall right outside of the bathroom,
0: there is a small spot of discoloration that blends in with the pattern of the wallpaper, which I I think is why it was missed. And they test it, and it turns out to be blood. Awesome. And because of the sexual assault case that Rose was involved in several years earlier, they have a sample of her blood. So they're able to match the blood on the wall to Rose.
1: And so it is a match.
0: Yes, it is a match. And then investigators excavated the fire pit at Billy's family cabin and they find human bone fragments, although none of them were any larger than a pea, which good grief.
1: So, I mean, a yeah, they probably burned it at mm-hmm. a as hot as they probably could for as long as they could. Also, it's two and a half years later. There's probably been multiple fires in there to continue the degradation of the bones. Yes. Also, you never know. He could have taken... They could have taken, like, a sledgehammer to the bones, to, like, the long bones, to break them down into smaller bits. Yeah. Like,
0: once it's more brittle from the fire, Mm -hmm. break it up. So, there's not enough material, I guess, for DNA, but there's enough of the bone to determine that it belonged to a human, and that the person was in their teens or early twenties. So basically the only physical evidence they have, they have blood that proves that Rose was in, bleeding in that house. Bleeding in the house. And they have bone fragments at the cabin that proved that a body was burned there. They were basically like, um, if you find human bone fragments, like
1: that's not normal unless something bad I mean, happens. We're not saying one and one is two, but, but like, if you find jury... <laughs> Here's a missing woman's blood at this house. And also some bones. And also at this house is some human bones in the fire pit. I
0: mean. Yeah. And it's not like they found this stuff first and then Billy came up with a story. It's right. like
1: it fit his story pretty well. They they found the things based on his story. They did not There was not a story constructed around yes. them finding the things. Yes, correct. Which is unfortunately a thing that happens. Yes.
0: So, John, at some point, has fled to Mexico, because I guess he realizes he's in some deep (sighs) sh**. But luckily, he is apprehended. And at trial, John claims... Oh, no, I didn't kill Rose. Actually, Billy was high on cocaine, and he killed her. His claim is that... And I don't know if
1: he claimed this in court or at a... My claim is neither of them are innocent. <laughs> None and are And neither people. of them actually remember what happened because they were both so high on ca- yes. cocaine. Yes. Yes. So, at some point, John says that Billy was
0: mad because he, like, had a crush on Rose and she had rejected him, like, multiple times.
1: Ah, uh, well, that's why the agreement was for her to have sex with both of them and like yeah. she only had sex with john that night according to billy's story who wouldn't be mad i mean i mean they were in the shower together <laughs> and like they were already naked like half of the work was done half the work
0: half the work is taking your clothes off <laughs> and being in front of another person
1: i mean sex two people exist there's a barrier. They Hold remove on. that barrier. They can have sex now. Step one: two people exist.
0: <laughs> Step two: identify the barrier. Oh. Okay. So, um, so much of this needs to be edited <laughs> down, Jared. So the prosecution argued that Billy did not have a motive, um, which, on the surface, he doesn't. But John, very... Jealousy is always a motive. I mean, yeah. John had a very, much more apparent motive, which was Rose was harassing. It was clear-cut and defined. Yes. In April of 1997, John Ortiz Kehoe was found guilty of the murder of Rose Larner and was sentenced to life without parole. There is a very chilling video um, on the Forensic Files episode of the um, jury reading the verdict. And John laughs at the verdict. So... You know, great. Billy receives one year in prison in exchange for his testimony against John. And that is why he is heavily featured in the Forensic Files because he is a free man. John maintains his innocence to this day and still claims that Billy was the one who actually committed the murder. At the end of the articles in, in the Lansing State Journal... It notes that as of 2017, which is when the article was written, John is serving his sins at the Thumb Correctional Facility in Lapeer and has five misconduct violations, including fighting, possession of dangerous contraband, and assault and battery. So he's a model prisoner. And this is a fun fact. There's another story about how he was appealing... Not the whole case. I don't know. It was something that had to do with the grand jury, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well what's the latest update? You know, did he get his appeal? What happened? The latest that I could find on John Ortiz Kehoe is in early 2021. His fiance Emerald, not our Emerald though. That is very clear in parentheses. Although I worried for a second. Um she... I mean, she does love our show, and it's all about <laughs> the creepy coo- well, coo- end of the cub. Well, the way it started, it's a change.org petition, and the way it starts is like, Hi, my name's Emerald, and I'm petitioning to get my fiance, like James or John Ortiz Keho, out of jail. And I like and first I was like, Emerald? And then um, I looked and saw her little profile and she's using his last name, so I mean it could be our Emerald, but Hopefully not. Emerald, please let, please let us know that you're okay. So, <laughs> there's a petition on change.org to overturn his conviction. There's also a Facebook page, I think.
1: And do you want to know how many signatures it has? 26. <laughs> no. I've, there's a game that we played this weekend called, like, Wits and Wagers or something like uh-huh. that. And it's all about numbers and then he plays bets on it. It's uh-huh. a lot of fun, but I'm very bad at it. Well, not that bad at it. I mean, that was... I know <laughs> that Seguero. Cacti don't start actually producing, like, arms and flowers and stuff until they're almost 80 years old. My guess was 74 <gasps> years. The answer really? was, on average, 80 years. And everybody else guessed, like, 12, 26. Oh, my gosh. Four. I didn't know cacti were And I was that like, uh, yeah, the saguaro. Okay. And it's like, at what point, at what average age will they start growing an arm? And I'm like... 74. 80. And the answer was 80. Jeez. And I almost said 76. <laughs> okay. Well but anyway, I'm not good at numbers and guessing. Oh, that's
0: okay. Um the answer was 149, which I still thought was laughably small. Um and there's a whole thing about um, you know, like obviously there are people who think that John is innocent and that he was framed by
1: Billy. I don't think Billy is necessarily telling the whole truth, but... So, that's that's what I'm thinking, too, is that, like, John Kehoe is not innocent. There's, yeah, there's no way that he just but I murdered... But don't, I don't think he's guilty alone. Because, again, even if he did do everything 100% as Billy said, mm-hmm. Billy is still guilty of mm-hmm. being an accessory. Mm-hmm. And how much time do you say he got? A year. Yeah. Witnessing somebody murder somebody without preventing it should get mm-hmm. you more than a year. Yep. Witnessing somebody murder someone and then dismember them should definitely get you more than a year. Yeah. Witnessing somebody murder someone, dismember them and then eat a portion of them. Yeah. Should definitely get you more than a year. Also helping and then helping to actually dispose yeah. of the remains mm-hmm. 100% hands down if nothing else got you time, that should. Yeah. Well, what about John's brother, Tim, who disposed of the murder weapons? I don't think, um, I read
0: something that said Tim's, Tim had a lawyer, and I think he said that he wasn't going to get in trouble because he technically didn't know,
1: he didn't knowingly All he knew in is that these items were, were bad and tied to something bad. Yeah. And yes, he agreed to get rid of them, but he didn't know what he was agreeing to. Yeah. And it's so, like, I can see him getting off scot-free. Mm-hmm. At the very most, a couple of months of, like, probation yeah, or something. because he could
0: always say, oh, well, if I had known that they had murdered someone, of course I would have turned them I in, would have but I didn't yet. know. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that is very sad, sorry to end on a sad note. Um, What's new? <laughs> well, so, the end of this was, they never got a body, obviously, because they completely destroyed the body, and mm-hmm. so Rose has a, um, just like a grave marker. A headstone. Yeah, a headstone. And at one point, her mom went to John's grandparents' house and met his grandparents and just said she needed some kind of closure. Because she was mm-hmm. like, I never got my daughter's body. I need to see where she died. And where she, she basically spent her last said, moments. I want to see where she spent her last moments. And the grandparents were still living in this house after this, this murder, which I cannot imagine. And they said, first of all, they said the grandfather, whose name is also John, was like so kind and, like, obviously very sympathetic. And they let her look around. She asked to see the bathroom. They let her look in the bathroom. They let her... They took her down to the basement.
1: Well, in order to continue living in this place where such a horrific thing... Like, they probably had to find their own closure as well. As, you know, like, this is their grandson who just committed this horrific crime Mm -hmm. in their home. Yeah. So they've had to find their own closure to reconcile their feelings for their grandson, their Mm -hmm. own family. Yeah. And their own home, and so I'm sure they were more than understanding of this grieving mother. Yeah. I mean, even without all of that, they were probably more than understanding. I hope they had
0: that home, like, blessed, or at the very
1: least, like, professionally cleaned, or... (laughs) I don't know. I just... So, Oh, I mean, and there are companies that specialize in cleaning up crime scenes. Yes, I know about those. Also, Rose's... Because you've been <laughs> planning things. <laughs> I'm co- I have a couple of them uh, on the back. Folks, right if I go missing and uh, <laughs> where I'm missing from is suspiciously clean, that's why I always keep my house like a little bit dirty. It's a lot... It's 120 years old. It creates dust. I dust on Monday, and it is covered in dust on Tuesday. Um, But if I'm ever missing and it's suspiciously clean, Hannah knows something. First of all, I may know something,
0: but you can't prove that I know anything. And second of all... This is good as well of a confession here. If the show that I've been watching, Unusual Unusual Suspects, has told me anything, they're always going to go for your husband first. Well, that's not unusual at all. And then eventually they'll find it's someone completely a surprise, which would not be me because we've talked about it a lot. Um, Also, quickly, Rose's mom is, um, like, still friends with Billy. I guess she believes
1: everything that he said, and they're still, like, close. I don't know if she actually believes it or if she needs to believe it to be okay. that's true. She invited him to come to Rose's grave with her and... They talked about, like, memories and stuff, but... At the... I mean, she might have been trying to... Yeah. She, she might have invited him there to try to evoke something human out of him and see yeah. if there was anything more to the story that... Yeah. Being at the gravesite with her might... Yeah. Whatever. So she was, I guess, looking to confirm or deny his story, yeah. I guess. And, again, just people need that closure. Yeah. And sometimes people need the delusion. Yeah. Yeah, they need the lie. Well, um, sorry that this was a bummer. Are you looking forward to something that's positive this week? Um, oh, my birthday is this week. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) My birthday is Friday, and
0: so I'm and to not have a very tiny paycheck. I'm working. I'm not taking my normal Tuesday off. So, which I know sounds like a very first world complaint.
1: (laughs) I have to work days this week all in a row. And my birthday present to you is, on Thursday, I have a telly tale Yay! <laughs> yeah, I sprung that on Katie.
0: Although, to be fair, you
1: told me you were working on some. So, yeah, last week I was, I, I told her, I'm like, good news, bad news. Good news is that I, last minute, get to go on a much-needed vacation. First time in, since 2019.
0: No, that was the bad news, Katie.
1: You said bad news. I can't oh, record yeah. with you Thursday. Well, bad news is I can't record. The good news is that, no, I have, uh, so for anyone who enjoys a tell we tale Which is when Katie tells a story and I listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got three more mini sods. so if any of you have listened to or remember the Calicanceroy, my little creature feature, I have three more creature features in the works. Yay. And then I also have two to maybe three more full episode Tell Me Tales. Which is better than what I have, because I have one half of a mini
0: so I did a
1: lot of research, and I spent my, like, four-hour drive up to the mountains going through most of my research on, like, highlighting uh, and everything, and so now I've just got to finish organizing so my notes, productive. and I'm going to go. Yay! When, so I'm 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 looking forward to finalizing my notes and <laughs> writing those stories and then telling them to you. Good, good. Because I was like I I don't know if that's something you're looking forward to too. Um okay. Well
0: we hit all of our plugs at the beginning, so I think we're good. You it. had one other Patreon something or other for the end? Oh, it was just that the um fiance's name was Emerald.
1: Oh that okay. was it. <laughs> okay. I was like, Hey if we have another Patreon, you Better. No, but when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I got emerald. Oh, it's not ours. Yeah. Okay. Not our emerald. <laughs> Which
0: we're happy about. Anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.